Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Emmanuel Church. My name is Bill Miller. I am the campus pastor at our Banta location, and it is so great to be with you guys today. We are in the middle of our summer series called At the Movies, and each week we've been looking at some great movies. We looked at Rocky, Braveheart, Toy Story, and what we've been doing is taking some of those biblical themes that we can find in those movies and taking them and applying them to our lives. Well, as you guys can see and you know, we are talking about Star Wars today. And so this past week, I've been excited about the idea of getting up here and being able to be before you because I thought I get to play with a lightsaber in front of thousands of people this weekend. So I thought, how cool is this? Well, here's the thing. I know some of you ladies are probably thinking to yourself, well, that sounds just a little bit juvenile to me. Well, that's okay, because guys, you get it, don't you? I'm just wondering, how many of you guys out there have bought one of these for your children. Anybody raise your hand, let me just see. Oh yeah, look at the whole place, that's awesome. Thank you for not depriving your children, number one, that's great. I have another question for you. How many of you men out there have bought one of these for yourself, but what you have done is you have said that it's for your children instead? (laughs) Yeah, there we go, I like that. Well, here's the question that is going to separate the stormtroopers from the boys. How many of you bought one of these for your wives? For your anniversary. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. There we go. I love that. That is excellent. Well, here's what I want to say. I got one thing I want to say to all you guys. I am your pastor. (laughs) And I am proud of you. James Earl Jones, everybody, what do you think? Isn't that great? That's fun. Hey, listen, when I was doing the uh, research for being able to do this talk, one of the things that I discovered uh, about this talk is that, number one, this is the third largest grossing movie franchise in all of the world. And I think the reason for that is because just the way that the movie is told, the whole story about it is something that resonates with us. Uh, When I was reading the interview that George Lucas had done, he said that the thing that influenced him when he put this script together was that it came from a book that he had read several years before that. Uh, It was a book by a person by the name of Joseph Campbell, and the book was called A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And in this book, Uh, what uh, Joseph was saying is that he had taken a look at some of the stories in the Bible, some of those epic stories. He had taken a look at some of the stories across different cultures, and he had found that this, what makes these stories so great and epic is that they all had some things in common. They all contain a certain set of elements in them, and here's what he says. He discovered this. He said, in all of these movies, that they always start with something that's ordinary, somebody who's just an average person, nothing special about them, so it's just a person of ordinary circumstances. They always have a call to adventure. There's this problem that needs to be solved or maybe an injustice that needs to be made right. There's a reluctance in that call. There's an excuse that's made, and then what happens is there's a mentor that steps into that person's life and convinces them of the need to go on and take that step and take that adventure. Well, there's always risk that's involved. There's danger in front of them. But at the end of it, at the end of the story, there's always a reward. Maybe it's a treasure, or perhaps it's possibly the guy gets the girl or the girl gets the guy. Well, I think what happens is, is that these are the elements that capture our attention. So George Lucas, he just went back to his desk, and using this as a framework, he sat down and he wrote the story of Star Wars. 
And I think by doing this, what's happened is that he captured the thing that God has placed into each of our hearts. God is the original storyteller. He is the greatest storyteller of all time. And so I think that what he's done is God has written into the hearts of every one of us this desire for adventure. We love these books that have adventure in it. We love movies. We love stories that have adventure. And so in your notes, if you're taking, if you're taking notes, it says this. I believe that there is a God-given desire for adventure in all of us. Every one of us have this desire. And so when I was taking a look at the movie Star Wars, the thing that captured my attention was not the big overarching themes like the, like the good versus evil or light versus darkness or the idea of the force being with you. What grabbed my attention in all of this was the fact that it's just the story of a reluctant hero and his journey into becoming a hero. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to take a look at the life of Luke Skywalker. And I think by doing that, what we're going to do is we're going to discover that our lives, maybe they parallel with Luke's, that there's maybe been a call to adventure in our lives that God has given us, and we can discover something by Luke's reluctance, why he said no, some of the things that we can, that we can learn from that, and hopefully that will help us then to be able to step into the story that God has called us for our lives. When we're introduced to Luke, it's in 1977. And in the movie, we see that Luke's living on a desert planet. He's living with his aunt, his, his aunt and uncle. And one of the things in Luke's life that he wants to do is he wants to leave this desert planet and he wants to go and, fly, and learn how to fly and fly for the academy. And so when he presents this, this, this goal that he has, this dream that he has to his uncle Owen, Uncle Owen shoots it down. He gives him a number of reasons why he doesn't want Luke to leave. And so in the movie, there's a scene that takes place that really brings all of this to a head. Uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru and Luke are sitting there and Luke looks at his uncle again and he starts to bring up the idea of taking off and taking this adventure. And Uncle Owen looks at him and says, it's not gonna happen, Luke. It's not gonna happen, maybe next year. Well, Luke's disappointed, he's frustrated, and so Luke's in his late teens, and so what he does is he pushes his plate away from the table. He pushes his chair away from the table, and so he starts to sulk out. And as he does, we find that Luke lives on the planet called Tatooine. And so he's kind of a Tatooine. And so his, his Aunt Beru looks at him and says, Luke, where are you going? And Luke, in that kind of whiny voice, high-pitched thing, says, it looks like I'm going nowhere. Well... Luke doesn't realize that his life's about to change. Something's about to take place. And later on in the movie, there's an encounter that we see between Luke and the great Jedi master, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And together, they're going to discover a call for help from Princess Leia. And in this call, you're going to see in this scene that I want to share with you in just a minute, that there is going to be this call to adventure in Luke's life. There's going to be this reluctance, and then there's going to be the wise mentor, Obi-Wan, that's going to step into his life. And so this is a pivotal point in the entire franchise in the movie series. And so uh, I want to share this with you. Now, there's just one thing I want to say first, though, is that uh, the day that we did the series planning, I wasn't able to be there. And so Danny and Greg and Matt, when they talked about being able to rent and buy the copyrights to be able to show the scenes for their big epic movies that they had, Well, they forgot about me. That happens around here a lot. That's okay. That's fine. But I didn't want you guys to be deprived of being able to see this pivotal scene. And so what I did is I dug deep down into my pocket. And actually, I had to use my rent money for this month. But here's what I was able... Sorry, honey. I should have told you before today. Here's what I was able to come up with for you. And so this is Luke meeting Obi-Wan and the call to adventure. Check this out. Epic, yes? (laughs) 
Thanks to Joe Pittman and Cody Johnson for taking my rent money. I appreciate it, guys. Nice job. That's great. You know, it's interesting, it's fun to see that is because the fact that in, earlier in the movie, we see that Luke Skywalker couldn't wait to get off the planet. But as soon as the opportunity comes, what does he do? He starts using the same excuses that his uncle had fed to him. And so, I, for, but before we do this, before we judge Luke too harshly, though, and too critically, we need to take a look at our own lives, too. Because isn't it true of us sometimes that when the opportunities come that we do the same thing? And, and maybe even in our lives, perhaps, it's not even something as epic as going and fighting the Death Star or fighting against the Empire. But what if maybe the call into our life, that call to adventure, is just something that's no more epic than just learning to be kind to each other, being kind to my wife, being kind to our husbands, our children, learning to obey our parents, and just something that would change those life, that will change our life, just simple decisions in our life. And sometimes we, too, will put up different excuses, just like Luke did. Well, if that's where you're at in your life and you feel that God's been calling you to something, maybe this call to adventure in your life and you have been resisting and reluctant, I want you to take heart because this is a great, this is a great spot in your story because this is where God inserts a mentor into your life. And so today, because Danny's not here, I'm going to be playing the part of the substitute mentor for you. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not taller for a greater impact, but, uh, you know, Yoda did okay. And so what we're going to do today, we're just going to take a look at some of those things that we usually step into and we say, say no to. Here's what's interesting. From the very beginning of time, that's just the way that we've been. And in fact, even in the Bible, when we look at the Bible, some of the greatest stories of the men and women in there, that's what we see that their lives have been. So if we look at the story of Gideon or Jonah or Esther, their lives are very similar to that. They follow the same pattern. One of my favorites, though, is the story of Moses. And so what I want to do for a few minutes, we're going to look at the story of Moses. We're going to look at his call to adventure the excuses that he had for not stepping into it. And I think that we'll be able to apply those to our life. Hopefully there'll be something in there that will resonate from his story that will help us to step into the story that God's calling us. Well, when we're introduced to Moses in the Bible, it's in the book of Exodus. And what we find when Moses enters onto the scene, it's a pretty dangerous time. Uh, At the time, the nation of Israel was actually living in Egypt. Uh, They had been taken into slavery at this time. They were being dominated uh, by the Egyptians. And in fact, the Pharaoh had thought that that the Israelites were growing so great in number that he was afraid that someday they would take them over. And so he issued a decree that go out to have any male child from the age of three and younger to be killed. Well, this is where Moses' life steps into. And so Moses' mom, wanting to protect him, puts him into a basket, puts him into a spot in the river where she, she knows that Pharaoh's daughter comes and bathes, hoping that Pharaoh's daughter would find Moses. Well, Pharaoh's daughter did. She's opened the basket. She sees Moses. She falls in love with Moses, and so she adopts Moses. Moses is raised as a prince for numbers of years, but there comes a time where Moses discovers that his actual uh, ancestry is he's a Hebrew. And so one day while he's out walking, he sees an Egyptian that is beating two Hebrews. He's incensed, he's angry, and so he steps in and he kills this Egyptian. Well, he understands that if Pharaoh finds out of his offense, that he'll lose his life. And so Moses packs up, he becomes, he, he goes on the run, and so he heads to a place called Midian. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's far from Egypt. And what he's doing is he's going to hide out there. And so for the next 40 years, we find that Moses is now living in the desert. He gets married, has some children, and he's working for his father-in-law, tending his father-in-law's flocks. 
And I can just imagine that maybe at this time in Moses' life, that maybe he's just looking back at his life, like maybe some of us have done, and he's saying, how could I have made that decision? How could I have made that mistake? What was I possibly thinking of? Why did I do that? Man, I have blown my life up. Well, Moses was like that for 40 years. And I think at the end of 40 years, maybe Moses had finally come to the point where he just realized, this is just going to be my life. Nothing's going to change. And maybe that's the way it's been in our lives. Maybe we're just thinking, you know, there's nothing that can change our lives. We're kind of settled into it. But I want, to, I want you to know this, that in our lives, God has a way of inserting himself back into it at really the most unexpected ways. And so in your notes, you're going to see this. The opportunities, they come from unexpected encounters. And so maybe in our lives, maybe God it's a phone, sends somebody in our path or it's a phone call or it's an opportunity. And a lot of times it's from left field where we never saw that it was going to come. Well, in Moses' life, it was really an unusual thing. Here's what it says. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And so this is truly unusual. This grabbed Moses' attention. I would think that, okay, he's all ears and eyes now, and God's about to present to him the next thing in the story, which is he's going to share with Moses a problem to solve. So in your notes, there's a problem to solve. And here's the problem that God shares with Moses. Here's what he says. He says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmaster. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so he presents Moses with the problem that he wants to solve. And I can just imagine Moses hears that and goes, you're right, God, it's really bad for my brothers and sisters back there in Egypt. You really need to do something about this. You really need to get somebody. Anyway, nice talking to you, God. I'll see you later. And it's probably what I would have done. Well, here's what happens. God says, not so quick. He said, instead... I've got a call to adventure for you, Moses. This is the time in the, in the story where there's this call to adventure. Here's what God says to him. He says, hey, Moses, where are you going? Come here. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's this call to adventure. And so as we read the story, we get to this point, we would think that Moses' natural answer ought to be, okay, God, if you're calling me to this, I'm going to do it. I want to pack up the wife, the kids. We're heading back to Egypt. Well, even with a clear call from God, just like many of us, Moses had some reluctance. In fact, he had some excuses, not just one or two, but he actually had five excuses. So I want to look at those excuses that Moses had that he gave to God, and I hope that when we do this, we're going to be able to see maybe some excuses that we have used either in the past or that we're using now, and we can find out and learn how we can overcome this, uh, overcome these. Here's what Moses says. He says, okay, God, well, before I go, here's what I want you to know. I am just not confident. I am just not confident. In fact, here's how he says it. He says, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? You see, Moses had fought, forgot just a second ago, wasn't it God who just said, hey, Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. I have I've heard their prayers. I have come down and I am going to send you. And so Moses' issue and his problem is that he was focused on himself. He was not focused on God. So instead of trusting in God, he was trusting in his own self. Well, when he does that, he's going to come up short. He's not going to have the confidence that it takes to move forward. So God just tells him this. He says, hey, Moses, here's the deal. To prove to you 
that I am who I am and that I'm sending you to go do this, you're going to be back here at this very mountain and you're going to have led the nation of Israel out of captivity and you guys are going to worship me and praise me here. And so that's all you need to know. So let's go. Come on, Moses. Well, Moses is like, not so fast, God. What about this? I don't have all the answers, God. I just don't have all the answers. Before I take on this journey, I want to make sure that I have all my eyes all my eyes dotted and all my T's crossed. And God, there may be something out in the future that I just don't have an answer to, and I don't know how to encounter that. And I think to myself, this has been a stumbling block for me in my past as well, and maybe for you. It may be the reason why we don't walk across the street to invite a neighbor to come to church or walk across the cafeteria, invite one of our friends from school or at work. We don't walk across the office because we're afraid, what if they ask us a question that we just don't know? What if we step up to them and go, hey, I would love it if you came to a weekend service with me at my church. It's awesome. It's great. And they turn to us and they look and they go, well... I would love to go with you, but first, can you name the 66 books in the Bible? 66 books? I thought there was only 27. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to go back right now, and I'm going to have to do some studying. Well, God looks at him, and he says, hey, listen, here's all the answer that you need to know. Moses, I'm going to send you with this answer. When they ask that question, just tell them, I am sent you. I'm the beginning, I'm the last. I have no beginning, I have no ending. God, everything is wrapped up in my name. And so Moses, you're going in my name. And so that's it, that's all you need to know. That is the answer to your question. So let's go, Moses, come on. Well, Moses is still gonna hold back. Here's what he says next. He says, hey God, I have no credibility. Here's how he says it. He says, but behold, they will not believe or listen to my voice. Hey, God, I don't know if you remember, in case you possibly forgot, but do you not know the reason that I'm here in the desert is because I killed somebody back in Egypt. I murdered him, and so I am a, I'm an escapee. I'm a felon. There's a price for my head right now, and so I can't go back there. And when I do go back there, they're going to look at me and go, dude, who are you? God, smell me. I've been out here in the desert. I've been working for my father-in-law. I smell like sheep. I don't even have my own thing going. God, just look at me. I'm a complete and total loser. Well, maybe that's the excuses that we've used. It says we look at our life and we go, hey, if you knew my past, if you knew the things that I've done in the past, I can't go on and do these things that God's calling me to do. Well, let me ask you this question. Could it be any worse than Moses' past? Is there anybody here that has murdered somebody? Oh, don't raise your hand. No, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> the people sitting next to you don't want to know right now. How bad can your past be or can your present circumstances be that bad? You know, sometimes we use our circumstances and we say we don't have the resources, we don't have the time, we don't have the abilities. Whatever those things are, that's what we've used as excuses. Well, the answer that God comes back to Moses is this, very simply. He says, Moses, you're holding a staff in your hand. Throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake. Now pick it back up by the tail and it turns back into a staff. Moses, put your hand into your coat. Now take it out. When he does, it's full of leprosy. He says, now put it back in. Now take it out again, and it's clean. You see, what God is telling Moses is just simply this. He says, Moses, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your present circumstances are. I don't even care how you view the future. I want you to know that I am a miracle-working God, and I am able to come overcome your past, your present, and your future. And so that's all that you need to know. And so you're going in my power and so let's get going. Come on. It's time to move. Enough with the Q&A. Let's move. Well, Moses is not done. 
he still has another excuse. Here's what he says. He says, hey, God, I can't speak. Here's how he puts it. He says, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Either in the past or since in the last few moments you've been speaking to me, I haven't spoken to you, that you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. God, is there anything in my past that would convince you that I've ever been able to put together two sentences that make sense? I stumble, I stammer, I eat my words. It doesn't make sense when I talk. And it hasn't improved in the few minutes that we've been talking. Well, I love, I actually love this excuse. Because this is the excuse that I have used and landed on in the past. I'm going to share something with you and just be completely transparent with you. Um, 24 years ago, I was released from prison and I came to the doors here at Emmanuel. I was excited to be here. I was looking forward. I had trusted Christ as my Savior. I wanted to come in and I wanted to connect with other people that love God. I was looking to discover what God had for me, what my talents and abilities, how we could use them. And I wanted to be able to make an impact in the lives of other people. And so back then we had services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And so I was here every time the doors of the church were open. Well, after about five or six weeks on a Wednesday night, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And they said, hey, we've noticed you here each week, and we were wondering if you would be interested in coming back and helping us in a classroom. We have some eight and nine-year-old boys. There's about 30 or 35 of them back there, and there's two of us leaders. I thought, awesome, this sounds great. This is this great call to adventure. And so I thought before I go back there, I should tell them something. So I leaned into them, and I said, something I need to tell you. Listen, I just got out of prison just a couple weeks ago, and I'm living in a halfway house downtown. Do you think that's going to be a problem? <laughs> well, he looks at me, and he says, absolutely not. Did I tell you that we were desperate? <laughs> uh, by the way, parents, I want to let you know, if you have your children back in our children's ministry this morning... <laughs> It's amazing, in the past 24 years, they have really tightened up their guidelines. For <laughs> They're perfectly safe back there. Well, the thing that they didn't tell me when I went back there was that there was an expectation on the volunteers. They expected that every three or four months that we were to get up and give a 10-minute Bible lesson. And so I thought to myself, that's not something I've ever done, it's not something I'm going to do, and it's not something that they can make me do. And so when it came my turn to speak, what I would do is I would call up Joe Merlo, and I would just say, Joe. Man, I'm so sorry, it's late notice, but I'm not gonna be able to make it tonight. My throat's killing me. Then I would hang up. Yes, I lied. <laughs> I sinned. I'd rather sin against God than go face eight and nine-year-old boys. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, that went on for over a year. And then after a year, one Sunday night, somebody tapped me on the shoulder again, and they said, hey, Bill, we got this thing going on with the class. Would you mind coming in? Would you speak? Would you say something? And I thought, i got to stop with the lying. I know this doesn't please God, so I said, I'm just going to tell them the truth. And I was going to say, my hand's coming down, and I was going to say, it's not something I've ever done. It's not something I'm going to do, and it's not something anybody can make me do. And as my hand's coming down to make that point, I don't know if it was a voice or an impression, but something in my head said, Bill, if you say no this time, you're going to miss out on everything that I have planned to you, for you. And so as my hand came down, I thought about it for just a second. I said, yes, I will do it. And so maybe in our lives, maybe it's not 
a public speaking that keeps you from moving forward to do what God's calling you to do? I don't know. Is there anybody here that really loves public speaking? <laughs> you guys are sick. <laughs> Would you mind coming up and finishing my talk for me, please? That would be great. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else in your life. Maybe there's something else that you take a look at and you go, I just don't have the talent or the ability. I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. But there's something that keeps you from going forward. And the thing about it is, is that when God answers Moses, he just says, Moses, I made your tongue. I made your eyes. I made your lips. I made your ears. I, I'm, I've done all these things. And I can overcome any of the deficiencies that you have. And so what I discovered is that God's sufficiencies are able to overcome all of my deficiencies. And so you think that would be enough. And so God's going, come on, Moses, let's go. We got to get a move on it. Well, Moses still had one more. And he had to be honest. At this point in time, God had overcome all of his objections. And Moses just looked at him and said, I just don't want to. Here's how he says it. He says, oh, my Lord, please, please send someone else. God, I'm out of excuses. The bottom line is that I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to go. And I think that's true in our lives too. At the end of the day, when God's called us to go and do something and to change it many times, that when we come right down to the heart of the matter, it just, it just lands on the fact that maybe we just really don't want to respond to God's call. Well, here's the thing. When we choose not to respond, here's what happens. And you notes it says, if we live a life of excuses... We risk something far greater than the unknown. It's that when we step out of the ordinary, and that's not the dangerous thing, it's when we say no to stepping out to that call that God's called us to do. Here's what we risk. It says we risk angering God. Wow. You mean the God of all love, the God of compassion and mercy? And isn't he long-suffering and patient? Yeah. And you notice it just says that in Exodus, it says that the anger of the Lord, it was kindled against Moses. God just didn't go there right away. It slowly built up to that point. Moses had exhausted his excuses and God had exhausted his patience with Moses. And I think that's probably the thing with many of us that we need to be careful of. And I think when we look at Moses and his life, we think to ourselves, well, no wonder God would be mad at him. I mean, they had a burning bush moment. Why wouldn't Moses have responded? And I just know in my life that if I had a burning bush moment in my life and God spoke to me that way, I would absolutely go and do what he's called me to do. Well, I'm glad that's what you think. Because here's the thing. Today, we have something that is so much better than a burning bush moment. Today, we have God's word. Today, we have the Bible. And in fact, what it says is that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it says that in his word, it is able to discern our thoughts and our very intentions. And so that when we go through the Bible and we think about the things that God's calling us to do, it doesn't have to be these monumental epic things like we said, like going and fighting in the Star Wars Perhaps, maybe for us, it's just as simple yet as life-changing as husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents for this is pleasing to the Lord. Or maybe it's in the area of I've trusted Christ and he's calling me to, ba to be baptized, but it's the fear of getting up in front of people that's kept me from stepping forward and doing that. And it says, repent. Turn from your ways and then be baptized. 
That's what he's calling us to do. Or maybe in the area of our purity. It says, abstain, stay away from all sexual immorality. I don't want you sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And if I don't want you sleeping with them, I certainly don't want you moving in with them before you're married. I want you to keep the marriage bed pure and undefiled. Or maybe in the area of our finances. God's calling us to understand this, that we've received every good gift from above. And that it's better to give, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Or perhaps maybe he's calling you to serve, to grab a talent, to step in, to jump in and help out in the children's ministry or jump onto the host team or the production team or to do something. And he says, you know what? I've given every one of you here a gift, an ability, and a talent. Not to be used on yourself, but so that you can serve one another. Or perhaps, maybe it's just to set aside our anger. Maybe I've been bitter. Maybe it's been, I've been harsh with people around me. And he says, hey, put away all anger. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven us. Or maybe it is this idea of he wants us to be committed to the local church. Maybe God's calling us to attend a weekend service more than just once a month. And he says, hey, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as everybody else does. But instead, I want you in a place like this every week where you can hear the words of life are spoken into you that will help you to leave and to, and to grow closer to Christ. Well, that's, that's the thing. God's calling us to do these things. And so if we continue to say no to him, the risk that we have is we risk angering him. Here's what else we risk. It says we risk not experiencing the reward God has prepared for us. Man, this is great. God has a reward for those that are faithful, that obey, that step out of their comfort zones, that are willing to follow him, to step into this adventure that he's called us to do. There's, an there's, there's a reward that's there for us. And someday we'll get to stand before him and maybe he will say to us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Can you imagine if Luke had said no to Obi-Wan when he had that call to adventure. He would have never gone on to become the greatest Jedi Knight that had ever lived. And that for him, that was a reward. Fortunately, it wasn't getting the girl because at the end we found out that that was actually his twin sister, so we're thankful for that. <laughs> what about Moses? What if Moses had said no? What would he have missed out on? He would have missed out on being able to be used by God as an instrument in the hands of God to deliver the nation of Israel out of slavery, to see God doing incredible, miraculous things, and then to know God face to face. In fact, when Moses died, here's what it said about him. It says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. You see, there's not been another prophet at all. And this is a fantastic thing for them to say about Moses. When I became a Christian and I started reading the Bible, I used to read these stories and I used to ask God and talk to him and say, God, what would it take? What kind of person would I have to be if you were still writing the Bible today? What kind of man of character and courage would I have to be to land on the pages in here someplace? And I don't, mean like a, I don't mean like a David and Goliath thing or a Joseph or Apostle Paul, anything like that. I thought, God, if I could just land someplace like an honorable mention 
somewhere. And so what I would do is when I come across verses like this, I tended to substitute and put my name in there to see what the challenge would be for me. And so, so just to be kind of silly and crazy, if we were talking about Luke Skywalker, here's what they would have said. If they were writing the Bible and Luke was in there, it would say, and there has not arisen another Jedi Knight in all the galaxy like Luke Skywalker, whom the Lord knew face to face. Isn't that cool? How about you? If you were to insert your name in here, what would that look like? What would you want God to say about you? In your notes, you're going to see at the bottom, this verse is there. It has two blank spaces. There's going to be a blank space here. And I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you reach forward, grab a pin out of the seat back in front of you, everybody, and would you put your name right here in that second blank? And then, as you're sitting here, would you just take a minute and just say, God, what is it that you're calling me to do? What is the next step in my story that you want me to take? What might that look like? What does this blank look like for you? For me, when I, when I look at this verse, if, it, if I was gonna write it, if I was gonna be in there, here's what I would want it to say about me. And there has not arisen another husband in all the world like Bill Miller, whom the Lord knew face to face. See, for me, the priority of my life is not only my relationship with God, but I want God to look around and go, hey, when it comes to husbands, there's my guy. That's the one. How about you? Is that what God's calling you to do? Maybe it's to be a husband or a father or a mother. What does that look like? Or maybe it's a business owner. God's wanting you to run your business with biblical principles, and so God's calling you. There's not been another business owner in all the world, or there's not been another employee that has stepped in to that role like you. Or perhaps maybe it's, it's serving here. And so perhaps it's, there's not been somebody else like you that's been able to rock two-year-olds. Not in the history of mankind did anybody care for our children like you have. Or make a pot of coffee like Martha. Or work in the parking lot. Or give. Or serve. Or any of those things. What does that look like for you? When we're willing to be honest with God and fill that blank in, what that does is it allows us to take the next step in the story that God has called us to do. You know, God, he's the one who invented the story. He writes the greatest stories. He writes the stories of our lives. And right now, God is still writing the greatest epic story that has ever been told. It's the story of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And the story is this, that man blew it. Man messed up. Man sinned against God. And because of that sin and rebellion, it broke our relationship with God. And so when God looked down, he realized that there was a problem that needed to be solved. And so God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, they got together. And Jesus accepted the call to adventure, to come to this earth. He was born into ordinary circumstances. He was born in a manger. He lived his life as a as a carpenter, just a simple life. Nothing extraordinary, nothing special about him you would see from the outside. And at the age of 30, he revealed himself as the Messiah that has come to deliver us and set us free and lead us to freedom from our sin. There was great risk involved. He knew that. In fact, it was going to cost him his very life. 
He walked up the hill called Calvary. He allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. On that cross, he died. He was buried. Three days later, he rose. And by rising again, he proved and showed that he truly was God. And by doing that, he set the way, he opened the door for us to step back into our right relationship with God. That's the reward. That's the reward that we have, and that's the story that God is calling every one of us into today. And so maybe you're here today and you've never accepted that call to adventure to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity today. I'm going to invite you that if you've never done that, we're going we're to go before God in just a moment in prayer. We're going to express our faith to him, and we're going to express our desire that we want to change our story. And so right now I'm going to ask everyone if you would bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. And if you've never taken this step, I'm going to just encourage you, please do not allow any excuses, circumstances, fear of the unknown, of what people might say, not having all the answers. Do not allow this to keep you from taking this step. So if you're ready to take this step, would you say this prayer with me? You just say, Dear God, today I want to change my story. Today, God, I want to step into your story. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Not because of anything I've ever done, but because of what Jesus did for me. Today, I place my faith in Jesus Christ. And now, God, I want to walk with you. I want to leave my old story behind. I want a new story written for me, starting with clean pages. God, I pray you would help me to overcome my past, my present circumstances, and lead me into the future that you've designed for me. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you can look up here. If you just prayed that prayer, I just want you to know this, that we are excited about the decision that you've made. In fact, we're going to celebrate with you right now. Man, that's the greatest story that you can ever step into. And so what we want to do is this. What I discovered when I became a Christian is that just simply by reading the Bible, I could find out what God wanted me to do in life. And so we want to put one of these in your hand today. It is the one-year New Testament. And so if you said that prayer today, you changed your story, you stepped into God's story, would you do this before you leave at the sides, at the back of the auditorium? We have some team members. Would you just step back there, tell them the decision that you made today, and they're going to put one of these in your hand. And then for the rest of us, I just want to say very quickly, you know, that evening when I said yes to that call to adventure to me, to be able to step out of the ordinary and step into the unknown for me, I had no idea what God had planned for me. The rewards are unbelievable. And I just want to encourage each one of you, you, of you again, would, would you just be willing to be honest with God, consider what he's calling you out of and what he's calling you into, and would you be brave enough to take that step and change your story today? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the incredible story that you have written into the lives of each one of us. And God, we thank you for the story that you're calling us into. That is to have a relationship with you that lasts for all of eternity. God, we thank you that you came down and you solved our problem. We thank you that Jesus Christ was willing to do that for us, that you loved us enough that you would do that. So God, we pray that we would respond to your call in our life. We would do it with obedience, without reluctance, and in a way that would bring us into the greatest story ever told, 
We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, thank you for being here. You're dismissed, and may the Spirit be with you.